This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Amen. Thank you, Emily. What a joy to be able to come away in the presence of the Lord and rest in Him. The peace that God can give. Emily and several of our other teenagers will be singing at Fine Arts next weekend. They'll be there Saturday competing across the state level. And uh, we're very proud of all of our teenagers, all of our young people. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Ready for God's Word today? Guys look good this morning. Let me get my glasses on and make sure. <laughs> my eyes did deceive me. First grade class was asked to finish this proverb. And you know how the proverbs go. I'll just share one of them with you real quick. Better to be safe than, well, they answered it this way. Better to be safe than punch a fifth grader. Here's one, strike while the bug is close. It is always darkest before daylight savings time. There's one, don't bite the hand that looks dirty. They can't teach an old dog new math. If you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. Here's another proverb. An idle mind is the best way to relax. A penny saved is not much. The first grader said, two's company, three's the musketeers. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can put on to go to bed. Here's another one they came up with. Laugh and the whole world laughs with you cry and you have to blow your nose. And I can understand this next proverb. Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. Here's another one. You get out of something only what you see in the picture box. When the blind leads the blind, get out of the way. A lot of wisdom there in those first graders. And one last proverb is, a miss is as good as a misses. I think the Apostle Paul would agree that with that last statement, with that last proverb, a miss is as good as a misses. Let's stand together as we look at God's word this morning. For time's sake, I'm not going to read this entire passage, but I'll read the first part. So let's start with verse number one. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Verse number seven. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another after another in that. But I say to the unmarried 
and to the widows. It is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Father, I pray today as we look at your word, you'll open up our hearts, our understanding this morning. I pray, God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit on all that is said and all that is done. And Lord, open up the ears of each person here that they may hear today what the Spirit has to say to the church. I need your help. I ask for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, in verse number eight, it says singleness is good. Everybody say that together. Singleness is good. And yet in Genesis 2 and 18, I read it a few weeks ago, it is not good that man should be alone. So so the question is, who's right? Was it the Apostle Paul writing through the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Was it Moses writing through the Holy Spirit? Who's right? One said it's good to be alone, and other says it's not good to be alone. Who's really right? It all depends on what your gift is. So you've got to read it in context. Go up to verse number 7 again. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, Paul, the Apostle Paul, being single. But each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. In other words, if your gift is singleness, it's good to be single. It's good to flow in your giftedness. Uh, If your gift is not singleness, uh, then you go back to Genesis. It's not good that man should be alone. Uh, Whatever your gifting may be makes it right for you. Now, now last month, we kind of emphasized marriage the whole time. And I preached about four sermons on marriage. Then we had a special speaker talk about marriage. And then I talked last week about blended marriages. And then you guys went to groups on Wednesday nights. And you've been talking about marriages in your groups and how to make it work and communication and all else that goes with it. And then we had a, a weekend seminar Friday night and Saturday morning on marriage. And, and the singles are going, is there anything out there for me? Please help me at Faith Assembly of God. Is there anything for me? And I can understand sometimes it can be easy to feel left out. But the good news is God's word will not return void. And so every message I've preached leading up to this morning, the Holy Spirit has something unique for you. Uh, And many of you are here today who are single now, may hope one day to be married. And So all that you heard and all that you learned, uh, store in your memory banks. Through the Holy Spirit. The reality is, listen to this, there are 1 million unmarried adults in America today. 100 million. 100 million unmarried adults in America. The majority of U.S. households, listen to this, this will blow you away. The majority of U.S. households are now headed by an unmarried person. The majority. And the reason is because people are marrying later. Divorces are occurring more frequently. And people live longer. And you put all those three components together and now there are now more unmarried households than married. Now, just to get a little idea in here, and I'm not, this is, everybody who's single in the house, Stand up. If you're not married, stand up. All the unmarrieds, stand up. 
All right, look around. Keep standing. These are all our unmarrieds. Give them a hand. An amazing, incredible group right here in our own house. And the neat thing is, God has a whole lot to say about singleness. And he writes about it, and the Apostle Paul writes about it. So whether you're single for life, and that's your gift, or whether you're in a single season right now in your life, I've got wonderful news. You can be single and absolutely satisfied in life. Isn't that good? That's God's word. You can be satisfied and single. And I want to give you three keys this morning and jot these down. Uh, number one, you, first of all, you've got to learn the secret of contentment. Contentment. To be content. Look at verse 25 as we continue this morning in 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord is, in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. It's good for a man, male. It's good for a woman to remain as she is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. In other words, learn to be content in whatever state you find yourself at the present time. You can be content. Married, you can be content. Single, you can be content. Beware of a romantic fantasy out there that, that, that goes on in people's minds. Uh, one is, if, if you're married today, the fantasy is this. You know what? If I were just single, I could be free. I could do what I want to. Uh, I wouldn't have to answer anybody. I'd be happier if I was single right now. The other fantasy is if you're single right now, it's if I were married, I'd have someone to share my house with. We could have a lot of kids together and then I would be happy. The apostle Paul says, in whatever state you're in at the present time, learn the secret of contentment. You can rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ in every season of your life because our contentment is found in him. It's not found on this earth. It's not found in somebody else. Our contentment as children of God is always found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn that secret of contentment. You see, the, the, the problem that singles sometimes struggle with is they hear almost from birth, uh, one day you're going to get married uh, and you're going to give us grandchildren. And they look over that cradle and already they're planning your wedding. And it's kind of shouted out in everything we hear and in everything we say. Uh, but we have got to learn to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Uh, and if you're single, you're not a second-class citizen. Uh, you're not somebody that's inferior to anybody else. You don't have to be intimidated by your sexuality. Uh, you can celebrate your chastity and your self-control in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you, there are thieves that come along and try to steal your contentment. I've listed two of them. Number one is jealousy. Jealousy. Looking around at what somebody else has, wanting what they have, and wanting what they possess. And so it makes you jealous on the inside, and that will rob you of your contentment in Christ Jesus. There's a cartoon, Calvin and Hobbes. 
Hobbs was uh, Calvin's pet tiger. Many of you read that through the years. They were walking in the woods one day, and Calvin said to his pet tiger, I wonder why people are never content with what they have. And Hobbs said, are you kidding? Your fingernails are a joke. You have got no fangs. You can't see at night. Your pink hides are ridiculous. Your reflexes are nil, and you don't even have tails. Of course people aren't content. Calvin says, for God, I said, for, forget I said anything. And Hobbes says, now if tigers weren't content, that would be something to wonder about. You see, there's, there's always this idea that they're jealous of what someone else has uh, in their life and, and it will rob you of your contentment. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. In Philippians 4 and 11, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I've learned that. You see, we're, we're tempted by the myth of greener grass, uh, that somehow the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, and we become jealous of another man or another woman uh, and their status and what they have and what they don't have. Uh, but I want to tell you, if you've got the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you've got everything you need in life. Uh, he's all our contentment. He's our source. He's our happiness. Uh, find your contentment in him. Number two, the second thief of contentment is self-pity. Self-pity. You see, sometimes if you're, if you're single right now, you might feel that you're an oddity, that you're kind of viewed as an outsider by all your couple friends and all your buddies are now married and all your friends are now married and so maybe you feel like you're sitting on the outside and you're lonely uh, and there's this pressure that comes in to find the right spouse and what happens is finding a mate or a spouse becomes your primary pursuit in life and somehow if you don't find a spouse if you're not married if you are single and somehow you feel like maybe you're a failure or what have I done wrong or, or what's wrong with me or, or why doesn't anybody like me? And if we're not careful, we will begin to dig ourselves into a pit of self-pity. There's got to be something wrong with me. Everybody else is married and it may seem like that to you and I'm not. What's wrong with me? But let me tell you once again, marriage is not the ultimate goal in life. Christ and the pursuit of Christ is, uh, and his kingdom. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, what is your pursuit today? Frank was 78 years of age. He was healthy, very wealthy man, and he had been a lifelong bachelor, never married. He had courted a lot, but in his own words, he said, it never boiled over, it just always simmered. And on a whim, at age 78, he took a trip around the country to look up his nearly one dozen old girlfriends and see how they were doing and what they looked like and to, to reignite some contact in between them. He got back from his trip. He said, "Woo! thank goodness I never married any of those women. They're all widows now. <laughs> <laughs> For Frank, the advantage of staying single was life and death. <laughs> there 
there's some advantages to being single. Look at God's word. Look at verse number 29. One is if you're single, you can be absolutely spontaneous. Look at verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as they had none. Uh, those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Listen, if you are single in your life, there is a spontaneity there. Uh, there's no one to answer to. There's no time to be home at the end of the day. There's no dinner time. You, you can go and do and be as you desire. There are some advantages. Freedom is an advantage. Look at verse 32. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. In other words, Paul says, as a single person, you are free from cares and responsibilities that come along with caring for a wife and children. There's financial freedom. There is more time alone. There's more flexibility. And Paul went so far as to say, if it's possible, if you can hang in there, listen, if you have that gift, I would that you remain as I am. Uh, Paul saying, I am single and I'm loving it. It'd be good that you could be like I am, especially in the crunch of these last days. Uh, in this time of uncertainty, uh, there is great spontaneity and there is great freedom in being single. You see, Paul's premise is this. We are to live a life of contentment in Christ no matter what condition or state we find ourselves in. And I would go so far as to say this. Changing your station in life doesn't accomplish happiness. If you are living under the fantasy that if I get married, then I'll be happy, it's a fantasy. In fact, it will only heighten the state you're already in. Uh, so if you're, if you're depressed, marriage will send you way over the end. <laughs> and if you're happy, marriage will make you happier. It's got to come from the inside. It's got to come from that relationship in Christ and who I am in Christ Jesus. Uh, and until you get that straightened out, you're not ready for a change in your relationship status. You know, Paul in Philippians 4.11, he writes this, writes to the church of Philippi. He says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Paul writes this in a prison cell. Listen, he doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. He doesn't know how much time he has left. But he had such a relationship with his creator and his Lord uh, that he was content in Christ Jesus. I have learned, uh, I've learned to be content. Whatever place you find yourself in today, contentment is found in Christ's strength. It's not found on our own. Uh, you see, God cares about us. Uh, he loves us personally. Uh, he loves us intimately. Uh, he cares about us. All our sufficiency is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He meets all of our needs. Uh, he, he gives us everything we need in this life to live richly and creatively and joyfully. If I've got Christ, I've got everything. Contentment. 
can be satisfied and single if, first of all, you're content in Christ Jesus. Number two, you can be satisfied and single if you're committed. You're committed if, if you have that undivided pursuit of God. Look at verse number 32. But if you, but I want you to be without care, for he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Uh, Listen, singles can get to know the Lord on a very special, intimate way. Because all your heart, all your devotion, it's undivided. I can pursue God with every ounce of strength in me. I don't have to give any energy to taking care of my wife, my kids, anything else. Uh, ladies, you don't have to worry about taking care of your husbands and picking up after him. You've got more time to pray and seek God. It's incredible. You don't have near as many distractions. Uh, a married man, the Bible says, has his wife to take care of. That's part of his responsibility. That comes along with the vows at the altar. He's got to be that provider and that caregiver. Uh, the married woman has to take care of her husband. Uh, and singles have, can have a single interest and focus to know God on the very deepest level possible. And Paul says that can be incredible relationship with God you can discover God's ability to satisfy every part of your life you see sometimes singles are tempted to look in the wrong places for excitement and for satisfaction and fulfillment because they're lonely and they get anxious they say I got to meet a man where are the men hanging out you start going to the night spots on Friday night on Saturday night, prowling the room, looking who's around, checking out the, the bars, the restaurants, the parties, whatever it may be. And somehow, because you're lonely, uh, you're looking for satisfaction. Uh, I want to tell you once again, only God can satisfy. Turn to Isaiah 55. Look at verse number two. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance uh, incline your ear come to me here and your soul shall live i will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of david he, he says quit blowing your money your sustenance your life on things that can never ever satisfy listen all you singles who stood up here today uh, you can find it in the lord jesus christ uh, he can absolutely satisfy every need and every desire of your life As a single person, you can be committed to knowing the Lord in a very intimate, close, meaningful way. No distractions. And number two, that person who's undivided can have a unique ministry unto God. Not only can you know him in a unique way, you can minister for God in a very unique way. Look at verse 35, if you would. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distractions. Now, he's not saying that, that if you're single, you have no distractions in life or no stress in life. But I want to tell you, if you're single, you've got a whole lot less distractions and a whole lot less stress. 
And as a result, being single, you can devote more time to ministry. Isn't that that awesome? More energy to ministry. You can devote more of your resources to the kingdom of God. You can resort more of your time to serving God's people and serving one another and ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Now, before you guys are saying, wait a minute, you're going way too far. I'm not feeling all this. Uh, Let's keep in mind, Jesus was single. Right? Jesus was single. He celebrated life. He enjoyed healthy relationships. Uh, He was comfortable in who he was. uh, And he had a sense of purpose. He had a sense of destiny greater than anybody else who ever lived on the face of the earth. uh, And he was single. Jesus models how to live the single life. Uh, There was never a time of restlessness in Christ Jesus, uh, but there was time for him to live out God's purpose for his own life. Uh, And he realized he was the son of God, uh, and he realized he was loved by his father, and he realized he was sent to this earth with a unique mission and purpose. Christ was single and satisfied and content. What a model for us. Single and satisfied. You can be content. You can be committed. But number three, if you're going to be single and satisfied, you must be cautious. You must be cautious. We live in a very sex-saturated society. It continually tells us that we are not complete unless you're sexually active. And until you find that, you will not find full joy or full completement. Now, that's what society tells us today. When the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he wrote the letter to the Corinthians. The city of Corinth was one of the most sex-saturated, wicked, idolatrous cities on the face of the earth. Possibly even more so than our generation right now. That may be hard to believe, but even more so than even our own generation. I want to give you quickly three things. How do you remain pure in this sex-saturated society in which we live? Number one, pray to be delivered from temptation. In fact, Christ taught his disciples to pray this way, Matthew 6 and 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We can pray, God, help me. God, guard my mind. Guard my thought life. Guard me and protect me from temptation. And God is faithful. You'll hear that prayer. and He tells us to pray that way because temptation is a very real thing. Number two, find God's way of escape. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Just flip over a page. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, and no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. He goes on to say, but God is faithful. Everybody say that with me. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, God has these escape hatches, uh, but you've got to be looking for them, and you've got to be trusting in the Lord to find them. 
You won't find him if you put yourself in that compromising situation. And then you fail again and you say, God, why did you let me down? Why did I blow it? Listen, it wasn't God's fault. Every man who sins was led away by his own flesh. It was because you weren't looking for that way out. Listen, run if you got to. Be like Joseph, man. Get out of the house. At all costs, whatever it takes. Uh, That's why Paul also writes to Corinthians, flee youthful lust. Uh, Don't see how close you get. Uh, Don't see how far you can go without crossing certain lines. Uh, Listen, don't even go there. Flee, run, get out of Dodge. Find God's way of escape. And number three, how do you remain pure in this sexually charged age? Turn to Titus chapter 2. God's grace can teach us to say no to temptation. Now, here's something. You're not going to do it in your own strength. Some of you guys are trying to keep yourself, and you're saying, I can't go there tonight. I can't do that today. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And you're trying in your own strength. And you're setting yourself up for failure because we're not strong enough. So what does Titus 2, 11 and 12 say? For the... For the grace of God, say that grace of God, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. What's teaching us? The grace of God. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What is is the enabling factor that enables us to live soberly, righteously, and godly? It's the grace of God. I can't do it without God's grace and strength and power in my life. Don't try to do it on your own. You'll get whooped every time. Now listen, if you're single and not satisfied, one of the reasons may be because you've, you've crossed those boundaries of sexual propriety with the opposite spouse. And as long as you're sexually promiscuous, It will always leave you empty on the inside because it's not combined with committed love of marriage. It will always leave you falling short of God's ideal. And it may be fun that night, but the next morning you are kicking yourself and saying, I blew it again. Because you've got this conscience in here and God's working overtime. The Holy Spirit's trying to draw you back to himself and you keep failing. Listen to me. If you want to be satisfied, the only way to be satisfied and single is to live in purity and holiness. Keep your vessel in honor to God. Pray to be delivered from temptation. Find God's way of escape. And number three, God's grace can teach us to say no to temptation. Now, not everybody who is here who is single has that gift of singleness. In fact, Paul says in verse 9, if that's not your gift, it's better to marry than burn with passion. So don't don't torture yourself. Get married. And it's okay to get married if you've got those right, if you're you're widowed or you're a virgin and you've never been married before or you've been through a a divorce for no fault of your own. Paul says, you know what? It's okay. You can get married. Better to marry than burn with passion. And so there are some here who... You're single, but you know that's not your gift. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands there. And maybe you do hope to marry 
one day, and Paul says, if you marry again, always do it in the Lord Jesus Christ, through his permission, through his perfect will, for the perfect person for you. Now, I, I want you to take a look at this, video, this little video clip here and show you maybe a wrong way to go about finding the right mate for you. Go ahead. This is for you single folks. All right, real practical advice there. Singles, that's something you may not want to try. I want to give you just four quick things if you think maybe one day you want to marry, and this is just practical advice. It may help you along the way in your journey. Uh, first of all, you need the right preparation. And how do you prepare yourself? How, what, what is the preparation that you go through? Uh, Jake was 92 years of age and Jesse was 89 years of age. And they finally met and were getting married for the very first time. And they were so excited about their marriage. And so they were trying to make all the preparation plans for their wedding. And they passed by a drugstore and they stopped at the drugstore and they asked the owner, they said, do you still have, do you sell heart medication here? And he says, of course we do. Well, how about medicine for circulation? He said, all kinds. He said, how about medicine for rheumatism and scoliosis? Oh, yeah, we definitely have those here. How about Viagra? Of course, we have that here as well. How about, how about medicine for memory problems and arthritis and, and jaundice? Oh, we have a large variety of those kind of medicines, sir. How about vitamins, sleeping pills, Geritol, any, any of that kind of stuff? Oh, we've got it all right here, sir. Well, do you sell wheelchairs and walkers and and scooter chairs, yes, we have all speeds and all sizes. Finally, the guy says, well, that does it. We like to register for all of our wedding gifts right here. <laughs> now, now when, I, when I talk about getting, <laughs> when I talk about preparing for, for marriage, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not kind of the preparation I'm talking about. But I've got some things you might want to jot these down. Number one, if you're preparing to get married, I think one day you want to marry and you're single now, don't romanticize. Don't romanticize. There's, there's a couple kind of fantasies that, that play differently in men and women. Men's fantasies is this, that the, that the uh, girl they marry will never, ever change. That right now she's 23 and she's beautiful. And she'll be like that forever. Only trouble is when she turns 47 years of age, she's not going to look like that. And after four children, maybe she spreads out a little bit. And you know how it goes. And so, so man, listen to me. If you really want to know what that lady's going to look like. If you want to know what that woman's going to look like, go look at her mother. That'll snap you back into reality real quick. <laughs> now, now stay with me here. <laughs> ladies, ladies have an opposite, opposite deception or ro romantic idea. And their, their deception is this. This guy will change. Don't marry anybody thinking that you and even God can change him. Okay? It's as good as it gets. What you see now is what you get. 
In fact, I will tell you right now, that guy's putting on the dog for you, and so he's probably on his very best behavior. Ask yourself, am I willing to pick up his dirty socks and underwear the rest of his life? His aim for the clothes hamper will not improve with age. If he's mean now, he'll beat you after you're married. Listen to me. If you're dating a guy and he's mean to you now, he'll beat you after you're married. If he stings you now, you better plan on working the rest of your life if you want a dollar bill. And if he's selfish on his dates with you now, he will be a monster when you're married. Don't romanticize about marriage and fantasize about marriage uh, because I will tell you, every marriage will go through its share of tough times along the way. In fact, there'll be mornings you will wake up and only the grace of God will keep you married. So number one, don't, don't fantasize about marriage. Number two, don't rush into marriage. Seek a person you can love and trust and respect. You can't figure that out in too short of an amount of time. Then let marriage come as a response out of that growing relationship. Don't rush into it. Song of Solomon 3 and 5 says this. Do not stir nor awaken love until it pleases. In other words, don't try to force a relationship. Let it develop naturally. If you want to get married for the sake of marriage, or some of you singles are wanting to get married to escape loneliness, you run the risk of marrying the wrong person. Number three, develop godly character. Become focused on becoming a great mate rather than catching one. Let me say that again. That's really good. Become focused on becoming a great mate rather than catching one. Concentrate on building godly character uh, and seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. uh, Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Let those fruits of the Spirit be developed and seen and evident in your life. Number four. Decide to serve the Lord. Instead of sitting around moping, feeling sorry for yourself, uh, wishing you had somebody, wishing you were like everybody else, uh, instead of moping around in in self-pity, get involved in ministry. Use this time, use your gifts, use your talents to serve the Lord uh, to the greatest potential you have right now in this season of your life. Listen, Romans 12, 11 says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, Now is your time. Uh, Go for God with all you got. Decide to serve the Lord. So those are some preparation things that that will help you. You that one day hope to get married and, and second, you that hope to get married, find your purpose. Look at verse 39. First Corinthians chapter seven. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, 
only in the Lord. Now, you that one day hope to marry again, underline those last four words, only in the Lord. I am always, it boggles my mind that some ladies have been married to a man who was an alcoholic, cheated on her, left her, abandoned her with all the kids. She gets anxious to remarry, and she'll find somebody else who's an alcoholic. Or a lady who's beaten up by her husband. He leaves her, moves on. She remarries again. I'll be if she doesn't find another abusive husband. You want to say, didn't you learn the first time? Paul says, listen, if you're going to marry only in the Lord, only in the Lord, discover what God has to say about who your future spouse is going to be. Now, if this is going to happen for you, three things have got to take place. Number one, you might have to deal with your past. You've got to clean out some closets and pray through those hurtful memories and those hurtful experiences and that pain you went through uh, in order for you to one day be whole. You've got to ask God to cleanse you from your past uh, and help you to move on so that you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Uh, And I've got good news. God can help you with your past. Uh, No matter what's happened to you, uh, no matter how bad you've been wounded along the way, uh, God has mercy and grace. He will help you to deal with your past. Number two, you might have to get a handle on your presence. You might have to change some of your friendships and relationships. You might have to look at who your friends are. Are they dragging you down? Are they building you up? Uh, Am I around a crowd who's leading me away from church and away from God and giving me bad advice and introducing me to this loser and that loser and everything else? You might have to say no to them. You can find out God's best for you. Make God's house your priority. Uh, Get involved in church and what goes on in church and the the singles ministries that we have going on here, whether it be for young adults transit or older adults the gathering uh, or even young at heart. uh, Whatever ministry you may find yourself in, get involved in that ministry uh, with all that you got. Number three, You've got to prepare for your future. And I got Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to me. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that a great verse? I, I, I was forced into singleness. And I, it didn't take me too long to figure out that was not my unique particular gift. But I hung on to Jeremiah 29, 11. I have plans for you. I have good plans for you. I have a future and I have a hope. And I hung on to God's word and God fulfilled his promise in my life. Don't get so wrapped up in finding a mate that you miss God's unique plan. And Jeremiah, sometimes we stop right there. But listen, Jeremiah goes on to say in verse number 12, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you 
and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, if you want to discover God's good plans, don't just stop at verse number 11 and say, hey, God's got plans for me and a hope and future and I'm stopping right there. He says, no, when you seek me and with all your heart and all your mind and you pursue me, uh, then I will begin to make my will known in your life and then I will begin to fulfill those plans. Uh, When you search for me with all your heart, don't stop too early. You can only discover God's great plans by seeking him with all of your heart. I've got five minutes left. Stay with me, maybe 10. I want to tell you a story. About a lady by the name of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite lady. She was, for the most part, outside of the family of Israel. And uh, her husband dies. And she's alone. You can imagine, you know that all the things that go along with that loneliness. But Ruth did not go seeking after a husband. Listen to me but rather she sought God's best in the relationships that were available to her. And for her, it was in her mother-in-law, Naomi. She knew that Naomi could never have another son for her. She's way past her childbearing years. She'd already given her one of her sons. She had two sons and lost both of them. She lost her own husband, Naomi, as well. And she knew that There was no hope of ever maybe marrying ever again in the state she was in with Naomi. And Naomi realizes this and she says, you know what, Ruth, you need to go back to your own people. Go back and live in your land. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to the land of our heritage and I'm moving back home. But but I want to tell you, you go find somebody else. You go where you need to go. Begin your pursuit of a mate in life. Turn to Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 16. We use this verse, and I've used this verse at weddings. This was not a man to a woman at at making wedding vows. This was the vow what Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. Uh, For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. She saw something in Naomi's God, in the one true God of Israel. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do to me. And even more so, if anything but death parts you and me. Uh, Listen, Ruth left her land of Moab with nothing. She was single, she was broken, uh, and and, and she had lost her husband. uh, But she experiences God's healing grace through her mother-in-law. And she's single and she begins to discover who she is in Jehovah God. uh, And says, your God's going to be my God and I will find my contentment, my peace in him. Spouse hunters make poor decision makers. And if your mission in life is to find a spouse, you will wind up making the wrong decisions. But if your mission in life is pursuing God, he will bring you the person that is perfect for you. Listen, that was worth the price of admission right there. Let Let me say that one more time. Spouse hunters make poor decision makers. If you'll pursue God, then he will bring the right person for you. 
Figure out what God desires out of your life, what God's call is on your life. Figure out what your standards are and stick to those standards for your future mate. Listen, if some guy comes along and he's driving a fancy car and he got great looks uh, and he's ripped, uh, that is not necessarily the man for you. But is his heart after God? He may be popular, he may look good, he may be charming, but is his heart after God? If you marry, do it only in the Lord. That is the most important criteria. Ask yourself, and listen, young people, listen to me. Teenagers, listen to me. Young adults, listen to me. Is he infatuated with you or is he in love with God? Ask yourself, what is my boyfriend's prayer life like? Cultivate a positive relationship where you're at right now. Listen, if you are single, develop the relationships that are all around you. Uh, Ruth experienced a relationship with Naomi. And ultimately, out of those healthy relationships, God in his time brought a man by the name of Boaz. Uh, Boaz would become the kinsman redeemer for Ruth uh, and for Naomi. And when you follow the genealogies all the way down the line, uh, God had a purpose for Ruth. Uh, God had a purpose for Boaz uh, because out of that union, eventually, Jesus Christ would be born. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. And if they're not serving God, they're not following Christ, bump that relationship and get your heart and mind on Christ and allow him in his time to bring somebody into your life for his plan and purposes. Ruth needed the maturity of Naomi to bring healing in her own life from her hurt and her past before she was ready to move on to her next relationship. Ruth learned the secret of godly contentment. You can be single and satisfied. Whether you're single for a season, whether you're going to be single the rest of your life, you can be absolutely single and satisfied. If you'll learn your contentment, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll commit your heart and your life to him in all of your ways. And if you'll be cautious in your relationships. Keep your body as a vessel of honor for God's glory. You can be satisfied. It can happen. Now listen, I want to bring this to a close. And, and I want to close by saying this. And the Lord just he, he impressed me with this so strongly when I was developing this message. The final word is this, God's grace is incredible. His grace is great. So if you're here today and you're single and you have not always found God's way of escape, if you have been given into those temptations that are coming to your flesh, no matter what you've done, God promises in his word in 1 John that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Listen, maybe your life has been dirtied by sin. Maybe your life as a single person. 
This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.